Take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 3, please. God willing, we'll be expounding verses 31 and 32 tonight. The title of the message is The Oppressor. The Oppressor. I love teaching through the book of Proverbs because the subjects bounce from one thing to the next to the next, and you can just tackle so many different subjects. Uh, and you don't have to dream them up. They're already written for you. It's really wonderful. So um, here's another one tonight. The oppressor. You may think, well, I'm oppressed. Well, maybe you are. But here, here the Bible says in verse 31, Envy thou not the oppressor. Envy thou not the oppressor. You may be thinking, well, who is the oppressor? And why would I envy the oppressor? Well, the Hebrew word that's translated oppressor here is usually translated as the word violence. Violence. Uh, but the reason it's translated oppressor here is because it's describing someone, for example, who would use violence to get what he wants in life. Okay? But it may not always be physical violence. If you uh, break into a beehive and you take the honey out of that beehive, those bees aren't giving that honey to you of their own free will. You're robbing the hive. You had to commit violence to get into that hive and scrape that honey out of there. So it may not always be physical violence, but he's going to use some form of unwelcomed manipulation, bullying, or deception, if not physical violence itself, to get what he wants in life. And Solomon said, envy not the oppressor. So why would Solomon say, don't envy the oppressor? Why would he tell us not to envy that person? Why would we look at an oppressor and say, oh, I envy that person? Well, to understand this verse, I believe we need to understand the difference between two things. Service and oppression. We'll say that again. Service and oppression. I want you to understand that God loves people. And because God loves people, God serves people through people. God loves people, so He serves people through people. When God created us, He gave us a variety of different skills, gifts, the Bible calls them. And he did so that he might minister to us in a variety of different ways in meeting all the different needs that we have as people. Monday morning I went uh, with my dad. He wanted me to go with him to see an investor or an investment advisor rather. And uh, so we went out of town and saw this advisor to help with uh, uh, secure his uh, retirement and all since he's not working anymore. And, and uh, as they were waiting on some paperwork to get drawn up for my dad, uh, that, that was the first time his, his advisor had met me. 
And so when there was a break in the conversation and the work that was being conducted and waiting on the paperwork, the man looked at me and he said, uh, what do you do? Now, is that an odd question to ask? It's not odd at all, is it? That's a very common question to ask. What do you do? But what the man was saying to me was this, when you think about it. He was saying, Richard, your dad served his community by keeping their vehicles running. I serve your dad by keeping his savings growing. What do you do? How do you serve your fellow man? That's really what he's asking me. And I explained to him that I serve my fellow man by protecting the federal judiciary and pastoring a church. And when we were finished with my dad's appointment, we then went to a restaurant, got a meal together where a sweet Christian young lady was there, and she provided us excellent service as our waitress. And then on our way home, my wife wanted to stop at the HEB grocery store, see if she could get some sweet deals, and uh, she stocked up on groceries and things for our home to make sure that my home runs efficiently so that she can make sure that I run efficiently as I am serving you. My wife's a homemaker. She serves her fellow man by serving me so I can better serve my fellow man. The point is, everybody is supposed to have a place of service in life. Service is a beautiful thing that God has orchestrated inside humanity. I like serving. I like having something to do to serve my fellow man. But God created us to be servants, and we provide our fellow man a service, and in turn, we receive service from them. My dad received service from that banker. And then he received reward back in return. The waitress served me. I tipped the waitress. And we all serve each other with our different types of work. But some people don't want to be rewarded based on their service to others. God set it up so that there would be labor and reward. There would be servants serving each other. And in this mutual service, the whole world would be benefited. I win in my service to you. You win back in your service to me. We all serve each other and everybody's a winner. But again, some people don't want to work on the system God created. They don't want to be rewarded based on their service to others. They, they see it as too much work for too little reward. That's how they see it. Too much work for too little reward. I spent years catching people like that. Trying to beat the system. Trying to do less and get a whole lot more. Take the easy way. Take a shortcut to get their reward. Instead of working all week at a convenience store, they may think, well, how about I just go rob the convenience store? No sense me working there all night long. That's a drag. 
Instead of being satisfied with their sales commissions, they decide to embezzle their clients' funds. It's a shortcut. Years back, mobsters were famous for selling protection. Remember that? They would sell protection. And they'd go to the local business people and say, hey, we'll sell you protection. I don't need protection. That's a, it's a cheap service. We only charge you this much a month. And I don't need protection. I'm fine. Well, then they go back at night and they bust the store up and go back the next day. And hey, are you sure you don't need some protection? You see, in a racket like that, the storekeeper is not getting any benefit. He's getting robbed. The only person benefiting is the one taking the shortcut, you see. Instead of going into business for themselves and taking the risk and working hard, they just threaten to harm the people who uh, go into business for themselves and do it the right way. They are oppressors. But those oppressors wore better clothes back then than the business people they oppressed, you know. They drove better cars. They lived in better houses than the business people they were getting paid off from. And it's not because they worked so hard, but because they made people offers that they couldn't refuse. So if you were the businessman being extorted by the mob, you might be tempted to envy the oppressor. You might get to think, you know, here I am working all day long. And I'm doing this just to make ends meet. And, and then these mobsters, they don't work at all. And here they are doing less. And they're living better than I am. And they get to look at them and they think, you know what? Maybe, maybe that's the way to go. Maybe I've been thinking life through all wrong. They may envy the oppressor. You might look at the convenience store robber and think... He made more money in 15 minutes than I've made all week. Standing on my feet here at this lousy convenience store. You might envy the oppressor. I'll give an example of an oppressor that most all of us have envied sometime in life. Most all of us. You little girls hadn't yet. But you just wait. You wait. We get up. We go to work each day. We pay our taxes, especially if you have your house paid off. That is, oh man, that's rough, going down and forking over. Mine's about $5,000 a year. I just got to go hand them a check every January just to stay in my house. It's crazy. And then after working all week, whether church or going to uh, the, the, the court or, or back when I worked full time doing both full time and working day and night it seemed and you, you get to the weekend finally and you've got to squeeze in all these chores on the weekend because Monday's coming back up and you've got to start all over again and you're stressed and you're tired and, and then you see some able bodied lazy person that's getting a government check they get their money for nothing and their check for free. And getting free internet. Did you know that's the newest thing right now with Joe Biden? They get free internet. You got you some free internet, Brother Jess? Not yet? Okay. They giving out free internet. 
And I thought, I've got to check into this. I know what it's going to be, but I just got to, I, I got to satisfy my curiosity. Well, if you're qualified for food stamps, you're qualified for the free internet. If you're qualified for WIC, you're qualified for the free internet. It's amazing. But if you don't qualify, if you work too much and produce too much, then you're not qualified to get it. But you have to pay taxes so the people that don't work as much can let you pay their internet for them. And I read that, and I get angry. You know why? I cut my internet a while back. I cut it off so I could save money at my house. And here I cut my internet off to save money, and they're using my taxpayers to buy the other guy that doesn't work. Internet. So I'm still paying for somebody's internet. We see them get free food. We see them get free health care. And even if it was just a simple expression of our frustration, a thought that just crosses our mind and then goes away, we probably all had the thought cross our mind. Maybe I should quit working so hard and take the easy way like them. Has it ever crossed any of y'all's mind just for a moment? Nobody? I see a few head shaking. There you go. Honest Alice. There she is. There she is. Honest Alice. The rest of y'all know. You know what's going on in your mind. But if that person is taking from society without serving society, then they are oppressing society. I'm going to say that again. I'm talking about an able-bodied person. Whether you're robbing with a gun or through laziness and irresponsibility or whether you're skimming off the top and embezzling and pencil whipping things whatever you're doing if you're taking from your neighbor without equal benefit given to your neighbor then you are oppressing your neighbor we all supposed to be serving one another. And the Bible says, Envy thou not the oppressor. Look back in your text. Don't just envy the oppressor. It says, And choose none of his ways. Choose none of his ways. Uh, you see, God knows the thoughts that can enter the mind of the oppressed. He knows that we can sit back and think, Now, and I've talked to a lot of people that this has come across their mind. I've talked to a lot of people. I've done my taxes before. And while I'm doing my taxes, I've done nothing but put in what I've gotten from the church. And sometimes in the past it would come up zero taxes owed. Wow. How about that? And then I put in what I make uh, on my part-time job, and then you watch it go up. I'm thinking, I'm getting punished for productivity. And then you start thinking, now wait a minute, if I were to just slack off, and I were to just do this here, and take that extra stress off, and game the system, but I can't do that, because I have to provide for my home, and I have to provide for the future. There's a man I was talking to a while back, and uh, he uh, he pastors a church, and 
I don't know how much he makes at the church, but I know that as long as I've known him, uh, that's all he's ever done is a little church and no extra work. And I remember telling him one day, I said, man, I said, I'd love to be able to do what you do. And I said, uh, it must be nice, you know, just to have to do church only. And, and uh, he said, Richard, it is nice. He said, but I don't have anything. He said, he said I mean, I don't have anything. No savings, no nothing. Well, when you hear that, you think, okay, I'm not jealous anymore. I'm not envious anymore. There was a pastor that uh, Tammy and I know about um, who was in Indiana and went up to, up north, went up north and decided to take another church up there. Left the church he was at, went up north, took another church. And then that church got crossways with him. And so uh, they had to part ways. And when they did, they were having to borrow and give and scrape and, <laughs> and, and try to uh, finally have to go ask to live in a home that didn't belong to them. To have a place to stay. They had no savings. No financial preparation. Just have to ask for a handout. And if God strikes me down one day or something happens, then I may have to do that. But you know what? As long as i got life in these limbs and I can get out and I can provide and I can be like the ant, which we'll get to eventually in Proverbs, and I can save up and plan and chart and, 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 and provide... On my own. That's what I need to do. Solomon says. Choose none of his ways. None of his ways. God knows the, the temptations. That tired. Hard working people have. I was talking to a police officer the other day. He wrote me. A, a message and said. Uh, what will it take to get on at the courthouse? He wanted to go to work where I work at the courthouse. I said, let me ask you a question first. Have you retired from law enforcement yet? He said, well, I'm not retired. He said, I have, I think he said, 15 years in law enforcement. He said, but I really want to slow down. And I said, you don't want to do that. I said, where I'm at, I said, they don't have retirement. This is for people who've already got their retirement or for people who aren't sharp enough to know they need to plan for retirement. I said, but this has no retirement benefits here. None. I said, you got 15 years, work five more. I said, I've been right where you are. I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to say, oh, if I could just slow down. I know what it feels like to get burned out as a law enforcement officer. I know what it feels like. I said, well, you'll end up working longer and harder in the long run if you don't work a little bit longer now and get your retirement secure. He never said thank you, nothing. He didn't like the answer, I guess. He never wrote me back. 
But I told them the truth. I know what it feels like to say, you know, I just, I'm just ready to slow down. I'm ready to stop. I'm, and, you, and you look at someone over here that's taken the shortcut and, and, and they're, they're, they're takers, they're not givers. And you think, maybe that's what I ought to do. God knows that can enter our hearts. That's why he addresses this here in Scripture. Solomon says, choose none of his ways. When my dad made his investment, the broker gained from my dad. My dad gained from the broker. When we ate lunch, the waitress gained from us. We gained from the waitress. When I protect the federal judge and his staff, they gained from me. I gained from them every other week. That's how it's supposed to work. But when you're an oppressor, you gain from your neighbor, but your neighbor doesn't gain anything from you. You're a life sucker, a taker, a non-contributing member of society. The way of the oppressor is not something to envy, you see. It's something to avoid. I should... Gain from my neighbor, and my neighbor should gain from me. But when you gain something from your neighbor, let me word it this way. When your gain is your neighbor's loss, then you really aren't gaining anything at all. I'm going to say that again. When your gain is your neighbor's loss, then you aren't really gaining anything at all. The mobster may have gained nice clothes and more money. But he also had run in with the law, right? <laughs> he had prison sentences and turf wars. Walk outside the house and wonder if the old Tommy gun's going to come at you, you know? Storekeeper didn't have that. The convenience store robber, he gets quick and easy cash without having to work for it. But he has no stability in life. None. And you know what? He eventually gets caught. If not killed. If not killed. The life-sucking, able-bodied person who doesn't want to work gains a free check. Yes. But they lose their freedom of independence. That's a lot to lose. They lose their freedom of independence. That's why so many have called here at the church before like the one I told you about the other day that wanted us to send him money so he could come to Maybank. Do you know what I want to do when I want to go out of town? I hop in the car and go. I don't have to ask permission from anybody. You know what he was really doing? He was asking me permission. Will you enable me to do what's on my heart? And I said, no, I won't enable you. So taking the shortcut may have freed him from work. But it made him in bondage and caused him to lose the freedom of his independence. Don't envy the oppressor ever. On numerous occasions I've had people come to me for financial help who could work but they didn't have a job and they were on government assistance. And when I suggested that they get a job to better meet their financial needs, you know what they said? Well, I can't do that. I'll lose my benefits. So they had free money, but they didn't have freedom. They didn't. They were dependent on the government 
So they weren't independent as they would like to be. Solomon says, don't envy them. Verse 32, for the forward is abomination to the Lord. Now the word forward here, it means a person who has strayed from the path that God's laid out for him. God has laid out for our society a path of service and reward. Service and reward. And when you cut corners and you decide to earn through oppression, not earn, but gain through oppression, you are now forward because you are going off the route that God has laid out for us. In this case, the oppressor strayed from the path of loving service to his neighbor. Instead of serving his neighbor with his gifts of service, he's oppressing his neighbor and denying him service. And that, Solomon said, is abomination to the Lord. And that word abomination literally in the Hebrew means disgusting. It's disgusting to God. It's something God loathes and detests. So instead of looking at the oppressor and envying him, we should be looking at the oppressor and detesting him. And if we do envy him, if we do get our train of thought into thinking, you know, that's the route I'm going to take right there. That's for me, brother. No more of this, you know, working myself day and night to make a living. I'm going to take the easy road. I'm going to let somebody else carry me for a while. And, you know, after you put your time in and, and you, you know, you, you, uh, you reap the rewards of your labor. There's nothing wrong with retirement. There's nothing wrong with that at all. There's nothing right about retirement. But there's everything wrong about oppression. There's a difference between the two. You see? There's a difference between the two. We should be depressing. And if, if we do envy the oppressor, you know what, what's happening if I envy the oppressor? If God's detesting the oppressor, and I'm envying the oppressor, then me and God have two different opinions about things, don't we? God says, this is my view. And I say, well, God, this is my view over here. Now, me and God don't have the same heart on the issue. That means I need to get my heart right with God. If I envy the oppressor, that's no different than me wishing I was the oppressor and had his ways, even if I'm too chicken to try it out. A lot of people would love to be the oppressor, but... They're just too scared to give it a try. What will my family think? Or whatever, I don't know. But don't envy. Because then you're detestable as well. Solomon says, don't choose any of his ways. If we choose something that God rejects, then we're choosing foolishly and we're not right with God. God detests the oppressor. Look back in your text. But his secret is with the righteous. God detests the oppressor, but his secret is is with the righteous. What's God's secret here? What's that talking about? God's secret here is talking about God's close companionship. Solomon is saying that God is disgusted with the oppressor, but His close and intimate companionship is with the righteous person. It's with the, the person who does not envy the ways of evil men, but longs to do the will of God. The reason it's called a secret here is because there are some things that we don't share with people we don't like. Isn't that right? Rick and Glenda went out of town a month or so ago. And when they went out of town, Tammy and I took care of their stuff at their house. 
How do we get inside their house? Good old... No. They gave us the code to get in. They didn't give the key code to the inmates down at the jail, did you? No. They didn't put it in the newspaper. They didn't put it in the Athens Daily Review and publish it. Why? It's a secret. And as a secret, it's something that they gave to their closest companions. You see? Someone they trusted. If Tammy and I were oppressors, they would have never given us that code. In the same way, God doesn't keep close companionship with people who disgust Him. If you want to be close to God, then you need to live to please God. Someone the other day, uh, it, it's something that's, that, that's kind of gaining ground, this idea that if, uh, since Jesus died on the cross for our sins, then the sin issue is no issue at all anymore. So if you sin in life, it has nothing to do with your fellowship with God and if He's mad at you or happy with you or whatever. That's a bunch of baloney. Bunch of baloney. If you want to be close to God, then you need to live to please God. You know, there were things that God told Abraham that He didn't necessarily tell Lot. You know? There's things God did with Abraham He didn't do with Lot. Why? Abraham wanted to please God. Lot was a compromiser. The Bible calls Abraham the friend of God. In Genesis chapter 18, verse 17 and 19, the Lord said, listen to this, the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Now, if God hid from Abraham what he was about to do, that would be what? A secret. He would keep it from Abraham and he would keep it to himself or he would share it with someone else and it would be a secret from Abraham. So he says, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord. In other words, he'll be, he's righteous. To do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. God didn't hide from Abraham what he was going to do because Abraham was a righteous man. And God's secret is with the righteous. So God revealed his work to Abraham, but to the people of Sodom, it remained a secret. One day they're out doing their business and they're overtaken. Sodom was abomination to God, but God's secret was with Abraham. God rejected the one, but kept close companionship with the other. So you see, if your gain is your neighbor's loss, then you're not gaining, you're losing. Because if when I gain your goods, I lose God's approval and intimate companionship, then I have lost more than I could ever gain from you. Man, God's... God's good pleasure. I know that in the sight of God, God sees me without sin in the person of Christ. I'm justified by my faith. At the same time, because I am justified by my faith, 
I love God and I want to serve God. That's biblical. And so, there's nothing more important to me in life than knowing that God's pleased with me. That He's pleased with my behavior. Not just that my sin is atoned, but that my God is pleased and glorified with my conduct. And if I lost God's good pleasure, if I caused God to frown on my life and, and I lost intimacy with Him, do you think Samson was real intimate with God? No. He's too busy, you know, living it up with Delilah and doing foolish things. Abra uh, 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 Samson's in heaven. The Bible's clear about that. Do you, do you think that David's relationship with God and his closeness to God was the sweet, intimate fellowship when he was in the middle of his trouble with Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite as it was when he was the innocent shepherd boy serving God with that pure faith that he had? wasn't the same. One was full of trouble and the other was full of peace and rest, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so if I lose that intimacy with God by taking something from you that I just made a, a trade almost as bad as Esau did with Jacob. Don't envy the oppressor or choose any of his ways. With that, we'll go ahead and close tonight. I love these proverbs. They sure are practical. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your precious word. I pray, dear Lord God, that, Lord, we, we won't have part in oppression. Lord, that as your servants, we'll, in love, as your scripture says, serve one another. We'll serve our brethren. We'll serve our neighbors. We'll take, Father, the skills you've given us, and we'll put them to work to be good contributors in our community to offer value to our neighbor and, uh, and to have uh, meaning in life, dear Lord God, um, uh, as far as our civil duties are concerned, our, our practical life here on earth as citizens here and not just citizens of the kingdom of God. We are both for now. And Father, I pray, Lord God, that our hearts will be right and Father, we will not oppress and we will not envy. And we ask this in Jesus' wonderful name. Help us as we go through the rest of these Proverbs. Give us wisdom and insight into your scripture. And help us to apply them in our lives in Christ.